A Senate inquiry report just released uh, could change the way uh, thousands of Australians get their information and keep in touch with family in other countries, especially China. The Foreign Interference Through Social Media Inquiry was focused to a large extent on uh, TikTok and WeChat, which are either owned outright or in part by Chinese government interests. Wuning Sun has written about WeChat in an essay for The Conversation, and it's a powerful plea asking for acknowledgement of how important WeChat is to Chinese Australians. Now, Wuning is Professor of Media and Communications at UTS, just over the road from our studios. I welcome you to the program. Could you be kind enough to explain to we non-WeChatters just what it does and uh, what it offers? Hi, good evening, Philip, and nice to be talking to you. Uh, yes, um, WeChat, to people who don't use it, um, is in, indeed a kind of a mystery. Uh, it's a very powerful uh, social media app. Um because this has all sorts of functions that, you know, combines Twitter, Facebook, PayPal, WhatsApp, and all rolled into one. You know, so on WeChat, you could, uh, you know, do voice messaging, you could do video, and you could do hold meetings, uh, you can buy airline tickets, you can do shopping, and you can transfer money, do banking, and buy things and sell things like eBay and PayPal all into one. So that's why people call it the everything app. And I understand, I understand talking about foreign influence that Elon Musk wants to copy it, doesn't he? Well, <laughs> he very well wants to copy it, but whether he can achieve that is another matter. <laughs> yes. Yeah, look, please explain what is perceived to be the problem why is uh, why is wechat seen as an ominous portent in australia well i think there are a couple of uh, perceptions um, that uh, that are associated with uh, wechat um, one of the uh, per- uh, um, perceptions or should i say misconceptions is that um, um, it is uh, a powerful machine for the chinese government propaganda um, but the reality is that uh, for most people, WeChat is mainly used for everyday uh, use for, you know, ordinary people communicating about you know, the private matters. And of course, the state media can, you know, will try to put its content on the platform, but it's up to individual owners, uh, sub- users decide whether they want to subscribe to it or to totally ignore it. And most people just totally ignore it because if they really want to access Chinese propaganda, they can go to the People's Daily and then CCTV, which is widely available online. So that's the first sort of uh, uh, misconception, if you like. And the other concern they have is uh, WeChat is a threat to national security. And that's very much the rationale behind Donald Trump, Donald Trump's uh, ban on TikTok as well as WeChat. But as we found out through the the, the U.S. uh, legal suit, um, it's a bunch of uh, San San Francisco-based lawyers took Trump to court on on the issue of WeChat, citing First Amendment. Basically, the court found no evidence at all that it 
poses threat to the national security. Uh, nevertheless, that concern con uh, continued to be uh, cited. Another concern is is the fact is the belief that WeChat is bad for democracy because it's a powerful platform that's owned by an authoritarian regime. It, it must be bad for democracy, and um, you know, and it's bad because it's uh, full of misinformation and disinformation. Um, sure. There is misinformation, disinformation on WeChat, just as you find it in on Twitter and Facebook. But uh, um, my research has suggested that the WeChat is uh, can be used for both democratic and anti-democratic purposes. So it's really simplistic to say that it's just bad for democracy. And and, and I think the most important concern uh, associated with uh, WeChat is 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 the censorship. It is true, and is everybody knows that WeChat is uh, owned by the Chinese uh, uh, Tencent, which is a giant tech company, and then and the WeChat use is subject to censorship, but they only mostly apply to the uh, users who have their uh, WeChat sort of account started in China within China. So WeChat is really like a one app, two systems kind of uh, uh, operations. <laughs> it's overseas. We overseas operations in Singapore. I think Singapore is sort of subsidiary operating WeChat International. And that is actually subject to the Singapore laws, not the Chinese law. So there is, but we're still kind of dictated by this kind of simplistic view of how censorship work. Now, I'm going to invade your privacy, and I know that uh, you couldn't talk or write about uh, this for a couple of years because it was uh, so raw. But please tell the story about you and your parents. Yes, I, I have I, I have worked on WeChat as a sort of a research topic for many years, but I actually didn't come to realise how important it would be to me in my personal life to 2021, where just cast your memory back a couple of years ago, where in the height of the COVID pandemic, and then China uh, sort of uh, sort of posed very severe sort of quarantine measures and the international borders between China and, and the rest of the world was literally cut off. So if you had to go to China to, for any reasons, you have to be staying in the hotel for three or four weeks before you can get loose, let loose. So one day in the morning, I got a call from my brother who lives in China from on WeChat. He said, "Winning, mom died. And um, of course, the obvious thing for him to say is that obviously you can't come back. So we'll try our best to take care of everything. So you know, we try to, you know, make you feel included. So what he did is that um, he uh, talked to the uh, um, uh, crematorium and so that they uh, let him stream the funeral, funeral service so that I can, I could get to see my mom. So last time I saw my mom was lying in the coffin in the crematorium. And so that was extremely, extremely sad and then the kind of a, a, a traumatic experience for me. And, um, but I, what I really felt for was, was my dad who was in his 80s 
he was in good health, but nevertheless, um, I just knew that how lonely he was going to be, but I couldn't be there for him. So I stay in touch with him on WeChat every day, you know, even just for a couple of minutes, just check on him. And I said, as soon as the border open, I will be home to see you, to spend time with you. And he was very understanding. He said, that is fine. I understand. I understand. But a few months later, another call came from my brother. And this time he said, he's dead. Dad died. And that was really sudden and presumably of a heart attack. So we just went through the whole uh, ritual again me sort of looking looking at my at dad's body in his coffin, being criminate, in a crematorium, and then my brother's dream and uh, the process of burying the ashes in the cemetery as he did with my mom's ashes so that I can be included. Um, I still couldn't uh, sort of play the voice messages left um, for me on my WeChat um, um, by my dad because I just thought it was just too raw. But I actually realized later on I wasn't alone in having that kind of experience. There was a whole generation of first generation, first uh, generation uh, migrants from China that had similar experiences like that. Okay, now my heart goes out to you and you have the sympathies of everyone listening. And, of course, your experience is echoed by Chinese people throughout the diaspora. Now, the big anxiety that you and others uh, feel about the Senate inquiry is because some submissions argue for a ban on Chinese-owned apps in Australia for security reasons. Can you see the rationale for that? Well... No, I, I can't see the rationale for that because I think on the whole, WeChat um, has is, certainly has its problems, but like other social platforms, it's really up to the individuals how, how they use it. And um, I think for a lot of people who take a very hawkish position in relation to China, they see WeChat as being associated with China as a result of that is part of the China threat. So it's part of the China's influence narrative. So, um, but for the Chinese community, this is really, really uh, concerning for those people who were following the process of inquiry and they didn't know, you know, uh, what was going to happen. And some will say, you know, what's going to happen, you know, if we lost WeChat, you know, it's our lifeline. We cannot talk to people in China using any other social media platforms because Facebook was not used in China, WhatsApp was not used in China, and Twitter was not used in China. So the only, the, one of the very few social media platforms people in China use is WeChat. So if we couldn't use WeChat, then we lost touch with people back in China. So that's just not like lifeline uh, that's going to lost. So there's a whole ecosystem they're really worried about losing. And the, not to mention the fact that they, they are now in Australia, they've built their own community and network within Australia using WeChat as well. Warning Sun, thank you for coming on and explaining the complexities. My guest is Professor of Media and Communications at UTS and author of an essay on WeChat for the conversation, which you can find very easily online. 
ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.